You know, I, I once asked Billy Graham if he ever thought of divorce. Mm-hmm. And he said, divorce, never. Murder, yes. <laughs> 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. We have been through a lot, speaking of that. Uh, uh, just a little bit. Yeah. This is our first live <laughs> intro that we've recorded since having our second child. Yeah, so, so if we forget how to do this, don't blame <laughs> the... Yeah, just blame the kid. Blame uh, the kid. We have content all about that whole journey coming soon. But by the way, how good does Sean look right now? You look A+. Plus. I haven't showered yet. For less than a um, month out. I haven't brushed my teeth today. Are you talking about today or since the baby you haven't showered? Just today. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, what a treat we have with us today. Yes. I love this interview. We have Marlo and Phil Donahue. That's right. Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue are married. And this is probably, they, they are the biggest celebrities, I would say, we've had on the show to date. We've had a lot of kind of like young, famous people, if you will. We've had a lot of uh, really insightful professors and other kind of academia world people. But Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue are legends. Phil Donahue hosted the Phil Donahue show for years. He won 20 Emmy Awards. And Marlo Thomas was an actress whose father founded St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And she is the national outreach director of. So between them, they are just like Hollywood elite. And I was so pleasantly surprised by our conversation because they're passionate about marriage as well. They had so much wisdom, so many funny stories, and I felt like we got to talk to them for four hours, but got cut off at an hour, which was probably better. Yeah, actually, we did. The conversation was longer than an hour. Uh, we got to chatting pretty good, but Phil was hilarious. Marlo was insightful. And the reason we were able to do this interview is because they recently came out with a book called What Makes a Marriage Lasts, where they sit down with a handful of couples, including ex-presidents yes. and many people you would be familiar with, um, to talk about how they've made marriage work. So it fell right in line with uh, what our show is about. And we're excited to share the wisdom that they have and also uh, that they found through these interviews. The coolest thing about this book is they talk about how it was all this like research and data was um, collected before the pandemic. So they got to travel all over the world and actually have dinner with all of these couples Mm -hmm. and just pick their brains about their relationships and why it has worked for them. Yeah. So we will link information on the show down below. If you want to check it out, Uh, we recommend it. It's good. And it's a, it's a good thing to just have lying around, you know, yeah. who doesn't need more marriage positive stuff, right? <laughs> yes. But I will say, shout out mom. She was so pumped that I know. we got to interview Marlo and she Phil. She was freaking out. As was yours. Yes. This is a big deal. So anyway, thank you to Marlo and Phil for taking the time. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue. Let's get to it. Well, Marlo, Phil, it is a true pleasure to have you with us today. I know that uh, I know that you guys have you know done your fair share of talk shows, but I'm curious where your excitement and maybe nervous nervousness level lies in joining us today on Couple Things. Very nervous. Very, yeah. very, very nervous. nervous. I had to give him a pill. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, stuttering till about uh, ten minutes ago. Yeah, I, I, I brought my coke, so I'd be sure to you know. Be okay. Up. <laughs> that's that's good news. I I am always nervous and self conscious, or maybe more self aware, when I interview you know well versed people such mm-hmm. as yourself. I know you know Phil hosted your own TV show for however long, and 
I feel like you should be the one asking the questions, but but here we are. So, he would prefer it, you. believe me. He's a very <laughs> reluctant interviewee. You're going to have to drag it out of him. I will say it's not intimidating at all to see all of the awards just strung out on the walls behind you guys. It is truly an honor for us. Yeah. Thanks. Well, you know, this is my study, and we don't put up any professional things in our house except in our own little studies. So in our living room, you know, our family pictures and all that kind of thing. But mm. this is the room where we get to show off. And Phil has a study upstairs where he has his 20 Emmys. I only have four. I wanted, oh. to, I wanted to put my Emmys uh, outside of the elevator door. <laughs> <laughs> and then people would have to step over them and I would say, yeah, oh, oh, who left these things uh, here? Yeah. And Mar Marlo decided that well, probably wasn't a good idea. No, not, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe you could hang them from like the entryway door so people hit their head on yeah, them on the way in. Yeah. They bump yeah. their heads and yes. they know who say, you oh, are, who left it. these here? Well, congratulations on your upcoming 41st wedding anniversary. Uh, as we were speaking before, so honored to be speaking with you both. And I know you just have a book that, that came out it's called What Makes a Marriage Last. You have your double date podcast. I'm curious what inspired both the podcast and the book? You want to you want to take that, Chief, or should I do that? You do it. Okay. Well, we <laughs> and our thirty ninth around our thirty ninth wedding anniversary, a couple we knew quite well uh, was getting a divorce, and uh, we thought, wow, they've married twenty eight years. Why, you know? In fact, another couple that we know at twenty three years got just got a divorce. So it was like, what? How do you discover that after twenty eight years? You know. Mm -hmm. um, it's weird enough when people are married three years and they get a divorce. It's like, you didn't even give it a chance. You give your car more of a chance than that. So, mm -hmm. uh, so we started talking about it. You know, what did they do wrong? And what do we do right? How did this, what, what, what is it that makes a marriage last? And we were talking to each other about, well, what do you think it is? Is it, is it that we have the same goals in life? We were raised the same as Catholic kids. We started to sort of investigate our own. We hadn't done, thought about that. And then I got this brilliant idea that we should do a book um, mm. about and interview a lot of people who were married over 20 years. Mm. Uh, some of them were married, like Billy Crystal was married 50 years. Uh, President Carter and Rosalind are married 74 years. Wow. Um, and then we put a couple of like 18-year-old, 18-year marriages just to see the younger people, what they thought. And so we went out on this journey and, and we loved it. And then we thought it's really better not better, but it's kind of exciting to hear the interplay between the couples, to hear how the husband and wife talk to each other and then how they, you know, relate to us. And Phil said, all right, I'll do it, but I'm not talking about our marriage. Because uh. we, we never had. But, you know, when you've been married 39, 40 years, you just say, okay. But then once he got there, he did. And I think yeah. you did because you wanted to encourage them, right? Well, we we found out that when we talked about our marriage, it like blew the doors open and mm. they talked about their marriage. And mm. uh, it was a very interesting, uh, it, it changed the whole interview. And the interview was different because it was two and two. I mean, I spent one-on-one -on -one for how many years? 29. 29 mm. years. 6,000 know. 6, hours. 
Wow. Oh my God. He asked the questions and he didn't answer any questions. (laughs) That was, but it's true. Uh, Many people, reporters asked us, how did you get people to talk about those things? I could never have gotten them to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we didn't go there as reporters. We went to their homes all over the country. We went to Boston and San Francisco and LA and, and Florida and God knows where Toronto to interview Elton John and David Furnish. We went all over the place, but we were meeting them as, as we are meeting, you know, one married couple talking to another married couple. So it wasn't like a gotcha kind of thing. Nobody was mm-hmm. worried that, you know, we were going to try to get them or be, be afraid of their quotes and, you know, that they'd be misunderstood. It was, yeah. it was, that's what we called a double date. Cause it really was. All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, This has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the colorful chemistry kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE. Well, so tell me this. We just had our five-year anniversary, and (laughs) everyone's like, oh, it's easy from here. You guys got it figured out. But... (laughs) Then I hear stories of, of people who have been married 28 years mm-hmm. and get divorced. What is the, what happens when you are married for that long and you separate? What, what do you attribute that to? I think they stop listening to each other. Mm. I mean, really listening. Not so much that they're not talking. Your spouse, <coughs> excuse me, is telling you things and you're not taking it really in. When Phil tells me that, he's unhappy about something or something is bothering him. You know, sometimes I just go on to the next thing. You have to really listen so that you know who is this person and and what is the pain they're going through? What is the, you know, I'll give you an example. After we'd been married about 10 years, Phil had something he wanted to tell me. And he said, I want to tell you something and I don't want you to do anything but listen. I don't want you to fix it. I don't want you to give me any advice. 
I just need to tell you this. It wasn't about us. It was about something that was going on with him. And so I said, okay, that sure, that's easy. Now I'm a fixer. If you mm -hmm. tell me something that's wrong right now with you, I mean, in 10 minutes, I'm calling somebody to get that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it was, you know, sort of characterologically hard for me. But anyway, he told me this thing. And my first impulse was to call somebody to fix this. And I realized that that isn't what he wanted. And I had to really stop myself from making it better. Because what all he wanted was to unload it on a person that he trusted and loved and who loved him just to get it out, but not to be told what to do or be advised or to do anything about it. That was a big moment for us. It really was. Mm. It was he, what he was saying was, listen to me, have empathy for me, and, and that's all, and love me through it. Mm. That's a, that, that was hard for me because I wanted to fix everything. Yeah, I think for us, when we started this podcast and started talking to other couples, one of the things that really inspired us was we wanted to get married and we wanted to last forever. But I felt like the world was so filled with media and headlines and tabloids of no marriage lasts, nothing is perfect and nothing can be forever. And I love having these conversations with you guys who have been married 40 years, 40, almost 41 in your marriage. And we have so many people telling us, oh, it's unhealthy to fight and it's unhealthy to argue. And if you disagree about something, it must not be the right person. It's <laughs> unhealthy not to fight. If you don't fight, forget it. You I have love to that. Fight. You have to fight. <laughs> I love that. You have to fight. You know, try not to fight dirty, but, you know, fight. Well, ru rumor had it that uh, in your 41 years of marriage, you guys had never had a fight. Yeah. Is that, you're saying that's not true. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh <laughs> you know, I, I once asked Billy Graham if he ever thought of uh, divorce. Mm -hmm. And he said, divorce, never. <laughs> Murder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a true story? No. I Is that true? That. Yeah, I'll you <laughs> I love that. That's the now best people, thing to ever come from our show. People who don't fight are suppressing their anger or or they're withholding. Sanjay Gupta talked about that. He mm. would he would withhold how he felt. And he'd get more pissed off that she couldn't guess what was wrong with him. And I said, well, why would you assume she could guess what's wrong with you? He said, well, I, I was being uh, passive aggressive. I, it took me a while to realize that that was a, a passive aggressive thing to do. You got to say, hey, this hurts. This, th this makes me feel bad. The, the thing you learn through the years, just from reading and talking, was we've never been in marriage counseling, but a lot of the couples that we spoke to had been. And it's, it's a great thing to do if, if you need it. Well, and I think it's the number one I love you. I mean, to, uh, you know, to actually commit to mm. marriage counseling, I think says, I love you and I want to stay with you. And well, why didn't yeah. we ever do it? <laughs> no, I. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have that many, did we? We didn't have that many. Well, we had a lot of fights. We fought a lot. <laughs> we're both type A personalities and we both ran our own shows. So. I was used to being a boss and I was bossy mm -hmm. and he was used to being a boss and he was bossy. And so, you know, he wanted it to be a certain way. I wanted it to be a certain way. And we really had to like give John McEnroe's wife, Patty Smythe said, 
She said at one point, because they they both are very fiery, the, the two of them. Well, you know John McEnroe. You've seen him on the court. I mean, he's yelling F you at the umpire. And yeah. she's very feisty, too. And she said at one point, I realized, do I want to do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? So I want to be happy. So mm. I, I want to let this go. The hell with it. And uh, so that's you learn that after a while that some of these fights are just so idiotic. You know, what was it that James Carville told us? You know, uh, he did. uh, He said, uh, when you find yourself in a round and round argument where you said, no, I didn't. You said, I said, you said, (laughs) kick that can down the road. Now, it's it sounds so. It's great, though. So superficial. And, you know, but I remember a week later, I. We were arguing, and I said, "Oh, let's kick that can down the road." And we both started laughing. And it's true, you know. You know, uh, you you know there's a lot of cans down the road, <laughs> but it's you know, it does it moves the ball somehow. You yeah. know. Well, what do you what do you mean when you say that? Like, just defer that conversation, or or yeah. just or forget yeah. it. It's stupid. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're gonna say you said you were gonna take no, no. You said no. I remember. No, you did. You you could have. <laughs> and it goes on and on, and it's ridiculous. And you're in that place where where everybody has to be right. And then you finally just say, oh, the hell with it. Just kick it down the road. Okay, but what if we don't have uh, as good a sense of humor as both of you do? And when we're in the moment, we get tied up and we can't think of like a funny way to to end the conversation, like by saying, let's kick this can by the road. Then go make love. Go make. <laughs> okay, just jump right to it. Okay, go on, just go on. But you're going to end up there anyway. So you know, have your have your makeup sex yeah. before you have the in the middle of yeah. it. I mean, there's so when you realize all, you know, what the hell was that about, really? And we talked to Arlene Alda and Alan Alda. They've been married, I don't know, sixty some years, and they used to fight all the time and everything. They had three little kids. He was traveling all the time for his career, and she felt that. She wasn't getting what she wanted out of her career because he was so busy. And um, she said they used to fight a lot. She said, when I look back at it, she said, I can't put my finger on what we fought about. It was something, but it was it just wasn't medium. That's a, that was a, that's an interesting relationship. You know, Alan Alda, I mean, he can't walk down the street anywhere in the world without being recognized. But their relationship began. He was a cab driver. Mm. And he used to bring home his you know, his, his fives and yeah. $1 bills and, and put them in a basket on the table. And she would take the money and separate it according to. She put them in little envelopes that said rent, food, you know, utilities. Mm. The thing is, is they were a team mm. and you really are a team. If you don't see yourself as a team, then, you know, that, that, that's the ball game. You're the team. And yeah, I want him to have everything he wants. That, that's another thing, you know, people don't really invest in the other person's dream. Yeah. I, I From the very beginning, and, you know, 41 years is a long time. So Phil was in his career, I was in my career. And it took a lot out of each of us because we've had these gigantic careers. And the thing is, is that uh, I wanted him to have everything he, he wanted out of life. And he wanted me too to have what I wanted. He wanted, my dream was important to him. And his dream was important to me. And if that's yeah. true, if you really want that and, and one of you isn't being like, hey, listen, I'm the this, I'm the that. If you're into that, if you're if you're selfish, your marriage won't last. Well, and I know another 
piece of advice that both of you have given in previous interviews is that both couple, both individuals have to be invested and in it together. And I think that's absolute gold, but I'm curious. So you've interviewed Jimmy Carter and his wife, Ray Romano and his wife, Sting and his wife. I mean, the list goes on. You have George Stephanopoulos, uh, Rodney Pete. I'm curious of all the couples you've sat down and talked with, is there one relationship where you're like, wow, uh, they do things way different than anything we've ever seen. I don't know whether they do things way different, but each couple was very singular. I mean, each couple had to overcome something that the other yeah, couple There's had. no such thing as the rice and the white dress and the- Clear sailing. You know, and everything moves smoothly. Everybody falls in a mud puddle. Yeah. Sooner mm -hmm. or later, some more than one, whether it's mm -hmm. with children, with each other, with well, careers. Well, Career Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon are actors. They saved $30 million. That's hard to do as an actor. Mm -hmm. And it was in savings. And they gave it all to Bernie Madoff and they lost it all. Uh. Michael J. Fox, three years after his marriage, their, their marriage, he came home and told his wife he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I mean, whoa, three years into mm -hmm. marriage, you know? Uh, and then uh, Jesse Jackson cheated on his wife and had a baby with another woman. I mean, these are like, whoa, uh, things that happen. And, and I said to her, to Jesse Jackson's wife, Jackie, I said, uh, did you throw him out? I would have thrown him mm -hmm. out. She said, I did, but he came back. She said, uh, he's not going anywhere. She said an interesting thing. She said, this marriage is a test of my character. So she saw that wow. her forgiving of him and putting the marriage back together was a test of who she was. And, wow. and he belongs to and me. And he belongs to me. And she <laughs> made that commitment. So, you know, uh, Sting and Trudy were married. To other, well, he was married to another woman, had two children. She lived next door. She wasn't married. She was living with Peter O'Toole. And they fell in love. Now, you know, you fall in love with your neighbor, you know, what could be mm -hmm. worse? And they tried to avoid it for a couple of years. And finally, they couldn't. You know, a, a kaboom happening in the middle. Mm -hmm. One afternoon, Lori Sullenberger's phone rang at her home, at their home. Your husband just landed his plane in the Hudson River. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, now she's got media on the front lawn. Uh, I mean, the mm -hmm. world has fallen on her house, on her self. And so I'm it's it was an example. I mean, I, I always, I see this as a kaboom, something yeah. that you weren't expecting at all. And a lot well, Marla from that. I mean, the husband could have become a real jerk because he's like the biggest guy in the world now. She could have yeah. been angry about what was happening to their lives or turned upside down and lost their privacy. I mean, that event could have really ripped apart some couples. They couldn't have taken that kind of pressure from the outside. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, what do you do when this stuff happens? Uh, you know, when we first started working on, on the book and then the podcast, I said, you know, this really isn't a how-to situation. It's a what situation. Mm -hmm. What do you do when the ceiling falls in? Okay. 
You were speaking of uh, uh, extended families and how, how the family situation could get compliment, uh, complicated like with Sting and Trudy. And Phil, I was looking at, I think the clip was from 1981. You did a segment on your show about what the new extended family looks like. And it was so powerful. You had three different, well, five adults, I think, and four kids. And they had all been married or divorced. or And it was just so interesting. But just to your point, it's not about the how you make it work, but it's the what. And anyway, I'll stop talking. I know you had a question. No. So then the question I'm curious about is, again, within the generations coming up, everybody's trying to paint this picture of if you follow these rules, if you don't make these mistakes, then it will work. It'll be the picture perfect fairy tale and it'll all be wonderful. But my question is, you guys have interviewed some of the most amazing couples in the world. Again, married almost 41 years. I know every couple deals with things differently, but what is the big deal breaker? Or is there one? Is there truly nothing a couple can't get through if they're really willing to work through it? Well, well, you know, that's what I said about really listen. You know, keep it, keep that ear open. Keep your heart open. He's changing right now. So are you. In, mm-hmm. in four more years, you're going to be different people. You're going to keep evolving and changing. If you don't, you're stupid people. You know, we all evolve and change. You're going to want something different out of life. You need to be listening to find out who is he? How is he changing? Who Who is she? How is she changing? And and as I told you uh, that um, Tracy Pollan, Michael J. Fox's wife, said, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Don't say he said that because he wanted me to feel this or he didn't come home last night at, at the decent hour because give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't be looking to jump on the other person. Step back. Give some air. You know, I'm not saying put up with crap. I don't mean that. But, you know, give everything a chance. Hear it out, you know, be, before you jump on somebody. And and the thing is, if you really like someone, you know, it, you're probably better to your girlfriend or your pal, your guy pal. You're more forgiving. If your guy pal, guy pal acts like a jerk one afternoon, you know, you aren't going to you know, turn your life upside down. If she acts like a jerk one afternoon, that's going to really drive you crazy. And that's what I'm saying. G- give your spouse as much room as you give your friends because she is mm-hmm. your friend and he yeah. is your friend. And don't let jealousy get in the way of your yeah. relationship. That will wear you out. Yeah, Phil was very jealous for many years. You know, he would see things happening that weren't happening, and it really was upsetting. And and my friends would say to me, well, that's flattering. I'd say, it isn't flattering. Jealousy is not flattering. It's poison. And it also makes you the person that's the other person is jealous of. You, you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do that will make that go away i'm not i wasn't doing anything he was dreaming it you know seeing it i did a Phil. movie with chris christopherson and he was sure i was going to have a <laughs> can i be honest oh. speaking of jealousy i don't think i've ever experienced this feeling of vocal jealousy that i have of you phil I... your voice is gold my <laughs> yeah. gosh it's perfection i want it i don't know what you did if you got any tips for me your voice. Your voice. Loves- the tenor of your voice is just A+. Plus. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you. you want my autograph? Thank you. I agree. When he leaves a message for me on my phone, I always think, oh, I just love the sound of his voice. Uh-huh. Man, it's classic. And that's another thing. 
there are things you love about each other, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That's a real, I mean, if you like the way she says something or the way she walks or the way she approaches other people or whatever, how she makes pasta, enjoy that, savor that, let her know. And, and, and the same, you know, don't take each other so for granted. That's why I say, if you're really listening to each other, you're, then you're gonna be getting the real essence of each other. So let me ask you this. You guys have told your your uh, story of how you first met and, you know, the clip of Phil, you interviewing Marlo uh, is classic where there's just this electricity between you two. We've heard that. I also love your comment about you, you know, having an impure thought as a Catholic boy. Anyway, <laughs> what I haven't heard yet is what was the second meeting like? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. How did that come to be and what was it like? Good. Yeah. That was Denver. Yeah, I I, uh, I did his show in Chicago, and then I left town. I went to Denver. I was on a on a movie tour. You know, I'm you know promoting a film. I, you know, I really would love to see you again. You were a great guest. Oh, you know, all that kind of flattery about what a good guest I was. And he said, uh, and I'd love to have dinner. I said, Well, I'm in Denver. Is Denver very far from Chicago? You know, he said, No, not at all. So he came to have dinner with me in Chicago, and um, in Denver. I'm in in Denver, and um, that was it. That was it. it was a very sexy romantic dinner uh he, wow uh, we stayed up all night wow have you been to denver <laughs> well i guess i need to go back maybe it <laughs> yeah. sounds like and go wherever you guys ate dinner we went to the brown palace hotel we lived. was that we, the name of it yeah the brown it has palace. a huge american flag in the center <laughs> it has an atrium lobby well we stayed up all night and it was raining and when he got back to Chicago, I had no voice. He had no voice. They did the show, and it was the first time in his entire career they couldn't play the show. And then the other, ah. another, yeah, go ahead. Well, so one of the things I on on that note, it's interesting. You know, Sean and I, Sean way more than me, and both of us collectively way more, way less than either of you. But you know, have experienced the limelight. Sean with her Olympic uh, success, me with the NFL, and really just being married to her. Yes. But we look at the peers uh, that, that we're surrounded by in, you know, the, the Hollywood culture. And it's like, how do we, we ask ourselves, how do we prevent ourselves from ending in divorce, from having some existential crisis, being addicted to drugs and whatever the cliche result is there? How have you both dealt with that? I mean, with your tremendous success, was there ever conversations you had when, you know, articles came out or for better, for worse, you know, something happened in the career. Do you have tips on how to navigate that when you have millions of eyeballs, uh, you know, that, that are evaluating your decisions? Well, Phil's theory, I, I'm very sensitive and I'm very impulsive. You know, as I said, I'm the one who goes for the phone. So I immediately <laughs> want to speak out. Phil always was the guy who said, never complain, never explain the hell with it. I mean, people said we were getting a divorce. We'd been married six months and there were stories all over that we were getting a divorce, that we've been to see a lawyer. And it wasn't true. We had not been to see a lawyer, but they put it in the paper. They're seeing lawyers. And, and it just broke my heart. And I, w- I said to Phil, why would anybody want to step up? This marriage is six months old. It's like, a, it's like a baby crawling. Why would anybody throw, you know, darts at that? He said, the hell with them. Never complain, never explain. So we never did. We just said the hell with it. And we kept our marriage. We just, we made a decision. Let's keep our marriage private. Let's not get out there. Let's not do any interviews about our marriage. And then after we were married like 40 years, we thought, well, they can't do anything to us now. What are they going to say? <laughs> so we got over it. But 
we kept it private. We decided, uh, we, we, we went on our honeymoon. We got married quietly in my parents' house and then we went right to Greece and nobody knew we were married after we got out of the country. When we came back, uh, we were very, each of us had a very big career at the time. And so we were asked to co-host the Emmys and co-host the, what's it called? The People's Choice Awards, be on the cover of People magazine. And we got, it was kind of scary. You know, it was like, what, what, what? And so we sat down and said, you know what? Let's not do any of it. Let's just just say the, the marriage is not for sale. The marriage is not up on the auction block. Tell them the story about the woman on the airplane. Oh, yeah. We're on our way to Greece and Phil goes to the bathroom and this woman, you know, I was very famous for being a single woman who never wanted to marry. And when I was on the Donahue show, I was talking about the fact that I would never marry. So, <laughs> so this woman says, to awesome. me, yeah, right. I've got my, you know, my engagement ring and my wedding band and I'm just I've only been married one day. And she says to me, are you Marlo Thomas? And I said, yes, I am. She said, are you married? And I'm like the blushing bride. Yes, I just, I, we just got married. She said, oh, I'm so disappointed. Why would you get married? I was always able to say to my mother, Marlo Thomas isn't married and she's not crazy. Wow. So, I, so I tell Phil this when he gets back from the bathroom. He says, what woman, where is she? You know, <laughs> it, it really felt terrible. But a lot of people, the point of the story is, a lot of people try to make you into something that they need. They try to make you into something that that they want from you or that they expect you to be. And the hell with that. You know, you're your own little team and you're 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 playing your own game. It's completely different from anybody else's marriage, anybody else's ball game. And I think that's the beauty of finding the right person that you you then know, okay, this is us and we're gonna make decisions that are right for us. It would, you know, we didn't want to become Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. You know, we didn't want to become a professional couple because we felt that would that could kill us. That, that could get in the way of our of our privacy, of our genuine, you know, private feelings. I I feel like we could listen to you guys all day and just like pick your brains on experience and relationships, but in raising a family together and having, you know, your beautiful kids. What is what is the one thing you take away from your relationship that you want your children to know? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I, I I guess that we we have um, faith that the other person is on our side, has our back. I, I know that Phil has my back. He is not out to get me or hurt me in any way. You know, I, as I said, I'm a very talkative person, as you can tell. <laughs> Phil has to fight to get a word in. But um, sometimes we'll be out at a party and I'll come home and I'll say, oh, God, why did I say that to Sean? She she really was looked so <laughs> upset when I said that I shouldn't have said that. Oh, my God. And Phil would say to me, oh, don't be crazy. You were the most interesting person at the party. Everybody loved you. That was cute that you said that. He doesn't let me spiral down. And, wow. You know, and that's important. That's important that wow. somebody, you know, wants you to be OK. And I I trust him for that. I. I have faith in that. No, so I had four sons living with me. Yeah. When Marlo came into my life. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do with them. And, uh, you know, when I would go off on the kids, they called it a spaz, two Z's. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember walking past Michael. Yeah. Michael's on the phone with this buddy. 
He says, I'll have to call you back. My dad's having a spaz. <laughs> and then what did they tell you? Michael. Michael what? said to me, we, we like it when you're around. Dad has less spazzes when you're here. <laughs> I took that as a great compliment. <clears throat> yeah. And I know you guys have to be thinking 41 years. Now, what can we learn from these two people so that, you know, we have that. And I think that, you know, love and listening and lust, you know, those are the big things in your life. And knowing that, you know, you're not going to lie to each other. You're going to tell each other the truth about it. You can trust that the other person's going to be going to give them their, their best part of themselves. You know, if all he has in his mind is to make you happy, and if all you're trying to do is make him happy, then you'll both be happy. But if all you want to do is make yourself happy, he won't be happy. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, and also accommodation is a big thing. We learned, we didn't know the name of that, but we learned it on the road talking to these people. And Judith Viorst, who's a wonderful writer, she said, she, they've been married 60 years. She said, no matter how hard you try, he is never going to be you. Mm. And, he, and you are never going to be him. So that's a given. Now try to figure out how do you allow him to be who he is without having it aggravate you? And how does he let you be who you are without aggravating? And we're very different. I'm this impulsive person, and he's this person who takes an extremely long time to come to the decision of what it is we're going to do. I'm with you, Phil. That's right. And that's I'm the impulsive one. one. Yeah. And that's a fight for us. You know, I'll say, come on, let's move. Let's do it. Well, I was thinking, uh, Okay, so we've had to do, you know, live in that thing. And many times he'll say to me, I think, I think you were right that we moved fast on that. And I'll say to him, you were right. It's a good thing we didn't do that. So we, we've learned to listen and see, is he right about this? Is it, would it be better to wait? He has to say to himself, should we move on this? So we're listening without competing, without yeah. Wanting to be right. It, it's what it's what Patty Smythe said. You want to be right or you want to be happy? And if happy is what you want to be, you'll stop being such a little prig about what you want and try to figure out, you know, she does have a good idea here. He he, he could be right about this. Let, let's just talk it out. So let me ask this. We, we've mentioned your many accolades. Phil, with your 20 Emmys, you've directed movies, the list goes on. Marlo, with your with your Emmys, with your Golden Globe, your Presidential Medal of Freedom. I'm curious, since you know each other so intimately, what is the award or maybe experience that you are most proud of the other person accomplishing? I think that I, I, I'm proud of Phil for remaining such a decent human being. You know, th this business of, you know, when I first met Phil, Almost every woman in America wanted to marry him. I mean, he was hot and sexy. Is that right, Phil? Yeah. Well, I don't know. She told me. <laughs> they, they um, he was very, very popular, and he was single. And women who watched his show, you know, thought he really understood women. He didn't really understand women. He just knew that women were smarter than most of the other people who did television shows. The women who worked for me. And most of my office during the time of the Donahue show were women. And they would all tell me that when a woman came on to me, 
I didn't know it. You know, I mean, I guess I'm uh, I'm a typical Irish goof. Yes. You know, I, yes. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't know it. Um, but you know, with all this right now, we're hearing. I mean, Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer and all these famous men who misbehaved so terribly. And I said to Phil one day, you know, you had nine female producers and an entire female audience and you were single and you were always a gentleman. Mm -hmm. You were always a decent guy. You know, how lucky for you that you were because if you weren't, we'd be hearing all about it now, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's a real accomplishment in the world for a, a person to be very famous and have a lot of temptation and and not act like a jackass you know it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a it's a uh, it, what is it it's a it's a what, what do they call it a occupational hazard yes <laughs> and a lot of a lot of men uh are that way which leads us to your title that you guys or we found of you guys, which is America's favorite feminist couple. I mean, how does one get that title and <laughs> the passion behind it? Where does it come from? I, I don't know that uh, we have that title, but um, <laughs> I, I think I was born a feminist because my father's Lebanese and was one of nine boys and they were very chauvinistic. And my mother was one of five Italian, four girls and a boy, and they were very chauvinistic, the men. So I grew up, you know, you know, wanting, knowing that I was going to have my own voice and nobody was going to dominate me. And I had to get rid of the feeling that that if you're married, the man is going to dominate you. I had to, like, mm-hmm. figure that out, that he wasn't. We were going to fight about it. I had a woman in my audience stand <clears throat> during the show to ask a question or whatever. And she was... The woman in the audience was talking about bicuspids and molars. And I said, are you married to a dentist? She said, I am a dentist. And I said, oink, 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 oink. So there were, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's amazing uh, how much you can learn hanging around women who would come in and sit in the audience. And I would encourage them to take part in the show. Phil, what about, what about, what are you most proud of Marla for? Well, I mean, her devotion to this marriage is pretty remarkable. And I admired, I admired her family, too. I, her dad and her mom. You know, Rose, Rosie, her mother, and I were aces. And that's unusual for the Italian and the Irish. <laughs> uh, somehow, we got along great. But it was only recently that I learned about... I put uh, Kitty Kelly on the my program, who had written a biography of Frank Sinatra. I can tell this, right? Sure. Everybody's dead. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> well, this was a real... Yeah, she, was... she wrote really rough, nasty books about Elizabeth Taylor, Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra was one of my dad's best friends. My father was the godfather to his son, Frankie Jr. So Frank called my father and... and well, go oh, ahead. Yeah. It's your story. <clears throat> and, you know, put pressure on him to tell his son-in-law not to have Kitty Kelly on the program. Mm. And Danny, <clears throat> her father, said no. You know, it was much later I learned this. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's 
he thought more of Phil than <coughs> and Phil's integrity than he did of his friend who's saying, help me out here. I don't want, you know, just get her off the show. And he said, I, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, bye-bye, sweetheart. We love you. Our, our, oh. our house guests are leaving. It's so fun to, uh, it's always so fun when we interview couples to see how the dynamic is between uh, the the husband and mm-hmm. wife and the and the two, and certainly this has been no exception. I'm not gonna lie, Phil. Coming into this, I thought talk show host, he's gonna you know steal the mic. But then Marlo, you know, you you both have such a good balance, and and you you let each other uh, you know have have their own space. So I appreciate that. I will say we ask one question of every couple that we interview, and. I'm most interested to hear what you guys are going to say. You guys have filled this entire interview with some of the best advice. But if you were to look back on your 41 years of marriage and 45 years of knowing each other, 44 years of knowing each other, what is the one one piece of advice, the best piece that you have either been given or would give about relationships? One. Oh, gosh. One piece of advice. <laughs> Marla, you've given so many, so I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Chief? <laughs> well, thanks for throwing the ball to me. I think, you know, kick that can down the road. <laughs> Don't make everything a solemn high mass. You know, move beyond it. Whatever is troubling you at the moment <laughs> is not going to change the orbits of the stars or the earth, and you're going to move forward you're going to feel a lot less emotional about this tomorrow than you do tonight or today. And, you know, a lot of people told us, enough people said this, that it it even, it stuck even in my brain. And you are not going to change each other. You are not Mm -hmm. going to do that. And when we were first together, I would say the first 20 years of our marriage, we fought every time we traveled because I take way too much luggage. And I will admit it. I take too much luggage, but I can't help it. I simply cannot decide when we're leaving. I, I know I need six pairs of shoes. I don't know why, but I got to have this pair for this. And this pair is like fun and sexy. This pair is same. This pair is for cobblestones. This pair is for if I want to need water. You know, I got all these shoes. And he would fight with me and carry on. The whole time in the car on the way to the airport, he would be saying to the driver, you, you, you just realize that this we're going away for like 10 days and we have six suitcases. Well, and, and the tips. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> before we got on the plane, I was out of and, money. And then, we'd get, and then we'd get to the baggage guy who could care less. And Phil would say to the baggage guy, do you believe all these bags and we're going away for 10 days? And he did it, and he did it, and he did it, and he would make himself miserable. And then I was miserable the whole day away in the plane. And then one day, sometime 20 years ago, I don't even remember, he stopped doing that. He finally said, what did you say? You, you told me you said what? You said, I know, I, I, this is crazy. I can't get her stopped. No, uh, yeah, I knew that I was not going to change right. this thing that was making me crazy. So I kicked that can down the road. I... I finally moved on to worry about something else. But, and I think that is probably the best advice. You are not going to change each other. So accommodate it. 
I mean, unless it hurts you, unless it's hurting you, you know, uh, uh, let it go. And uh, what's her name? Viola Davis said, she said, your marriage doesn't start when you walk down the aisle. Your marriage starts when you're sitting across from your spouse at breakfast and he does this thing that you really can't stand. And you think to yourself, I am not going to be able to live with this. And then you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to have to live with this. This is who he is. I love him. I'm going to have to take this into. And that's the truth. Because otherwise, yeah. it's just a fight all the time because he is not you. You are not him. And it's never going to switch where you, he is you and you're him. And it's never going to switch. I think that's the best advice. I love that. That's gold. Phil, a, prof- a professional question for you. How do you compare podcasting to your uh, your talk show? Do you enjoy it? Well, this is easier because I'm with herself here. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, you know, when you're alone, you've got to, uh, yeah. you know, and you're juggling, you got to catch all the balls. Yourself. <laughs> uh, so this is a lot easier because... Mm. I'm with uh, Miss Chatty Cathy here, <laughs> who, who mm. never runs out of something to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, well, we so enjoyed our, our 53 minutes with you, and uh, I wish we had more time. I know you guys have a wealth of knowledge, and if you listening would like to get more of that knowledge, you can purchase their book called what makes a marriage last. The paperback just came out. It's on Amazon. We will link that down below. And also their podcast called double date, uh, is out anywhere you, you listen to podcasts. So I, I would be honored if you guys are ever in Nashville, we would love to host you. Um, and likewise, you know, we, we would love to continue the relationship. So thank you so much for the time. And it was a pleasure to meet both of you. Thank well, you. I, I hope we were helpful. Hang in there. You're both so cute. I really hope you <laughs> hang in there together. Thank you. Thank you, Marla. Thank you. It's truly a great, great to hear all of your advice. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there. We don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners. And some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.